Yeah, so it's good to hear testimonies, see, of what God is doing in and through our hearts. So you all heard what Africa said when he finished his sermon on, on last Sunday. And unfortunately, the recording, we had a bit of a hassle with the recording, so it's not a, available, unfortunately. But we heard, he said a few things at the end there. And I, I want us to take heed to what God is actually doing with us here, because it's not just me. It's not just an eldership that are steering the ship and, you know, hoping for the best here. And as we go and God's doing it all through us, He is calling on a people. And what are the words that He said at the end? And I want us to adhere to this because, in a way, this sermon is also wrapping up James. We've been hovering in James for quite a few months. Okay, and it's been an incredible book. But I want to read that last little section of James. And I just want to touch on this because it refers to a man that walked this earth and it says he was just like us. Okay, so we're doing a whole, we're doing a whole lot of things at the same time here and finishing on time. Watch this. We can do it. We've spoken about, Steve's spoken to this prayer thing and praying and stuff. If anyone you're suffering, let him pray. If anyone is cheerful from verse 13, chapter 5, let him, uh, let him sing praise. If anyone among you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. And some commentators say that that prayer of faith, that the elders pray over that because that person's in sin and they're sick because of the sin. That drop, boom. Sin will make you sick. Sin will make you sick. It starts from within. And it will brew in your own heart and your body physically will start responding to the turmoil inside of you. It will make you sick. And you call on the elders, you pray, and you can also stand before the Almighty God, and you can declare the goodness of our King over your life. But we're not going to hang there today, and He will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. Watchman Nee speaks about this chapter and this part of the verse and says that people need to call on the elders and for forgiveness of sins because they've been disconnected from the local body. That they're doing their own thing. And on their terms, they're living life here, but they're actually disconnected from the truth of the Almighty, His body. He's the head of the body of Christ that you're supposed to be plugged into in your heart and life and soul given to this kind of place that works together in doing that. And that you confess your sins to one another. Who's ever confessed their sins to people you don't know? It's not, it's not, it's not an easy thing, right? But what he's saying here is, that there are people in this room and you've got issues with each other. And oh, no, I don't know, I'm like that person, don't that That's the stuff is you've got to confess that I'm sorry about this, what I carry in my heart, or this thing that happened. Private sins can be private confession. But when you're in community and walking together, you're accountable to one another, you will see things in each other's lives. And you will walk those things out. It's not a fearful confess your sins. Okay, so this week, I uh, this and this and this and this. He's not asking that. See, it's, it's no fear. There's no fear in like being exposed. When you're together and your hearts are united. But I want to just hang on this part here. And the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. This Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings them back, 
Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and he will cover a multitude of sins. I want to hover what he's saying there. I mean, the book ends weirdly and abruptly. It's like, boom, there it ends. That's James finished. He doesn't like say, you know, greetings and thank yous and all these can wind it off with an amen. It's just like, bloop, done. Don't know if you had to leave in a hurry, but it's the way it seemed to end. But I want us to just think of why he's saying there, this whole thing of prayer and the kind of progress. But he's, he mentions Elijah. He speaks, he's a man just like us. And he asked that it wouldn't rain. He fervently prayed that it wouldn't rain for three and a half years and it didn't rain. And he prayed and then the rain came. And God used a man just like him, that he's just like us. And I want, to say, I want to say over you this morning that as we wrap up this book of James, and, and it's, I want to ask you some questions as well, as you just ponder on this whole book that we've touched on, and I'm going to wrap up here with this and what God is saying to us. The things that we've, we've learned over these last few months, you know, so as a question, just test your own heart in these things. Am I becoming more patient in the testings of life? Do I play with temptation or resist it from the start? These are the messages that we've heard through that whole book. Do I find joy in obeying the Word of God, or do I just study it and learn from it as information? Do I see prejudice in my heart and am I shackled by them? Can I control my tongue? Quarter past 12 today, some of us are going to be put to the test, whether you can control your tongue. Aiden's already told me, Dad, I, I, I know Sean's coming to watch rugby, but please don't shout at the TV. I said, buddy, this is good shouting. This is not bad shouting. This is good shouting. He's, he's worried already. There we go. Am I a peacemaker rather than a troublemaker? Am I in a place that people come and ask me for spiritual wisdom? Do I have friendship with, the God, with God or with the world? Do I make plans without considering the will of God? Just go where I want to go. Am I selfish when it comes to my money? Or am I faithful with the money he's given me and the bills that I need to pay, like wages? It is natural to depend on prayer when I find I'm in some sort of trouble, to call on people, to stand together, to pray. Do others seek prayer support from me? And do I have a, do I have a heart for the wandering and lost brother or sister? Or do, or do I criticize and gossip? Or do I seek to restore them to love? Because that'll cover over a multitude of sins. And this book truly has spoken to us. And I just, you know, you've got to follow the waves of what the Spirit's doing. It feels the timing of this book of what it's, we could keep there and hang in that book for another six months. But it's as God is working with us and doing with us, you've got to go with the flow of the Spirit and what He's saying to us. And you see that what He says there, He says, Elijah was a man just like us. Now, Elijah saw incredible miracles. Do you believe that in your own life you can see incredible things God do in and through you? And what I've realized, what God has been saying to us at the Bay over the last few years, is it's, it feels for me like, and we pray this on Friday morning in our prayer meeting, that not that we didn't, but it's like we're starting to believe it. If you know what I'm saying there, people say many big things, and I'm like, okay, that's good, that's good, but like, whoa, that's, that's a big ask, that's a, that's a big order that you're saying there. And the only way these things come about is if you believe. What Jesus said to Jairus, is to, to the, his daughter, he said, do not fear, just believe, and your daughter will be well. And, I, and, I, and so what did Africa say to us at the end of the meeting? This is family time. I'm talking to you guys now, like we're in my lounge chatting about the church. 
What did he say? He said, the nations are going to come to this place. The nations are going to come and taste of what you've got here. There's something about, he's used that word again, which over and over, the uniqueness that God is doing here. The uniqueness of what God is doing about the manifest presence of God that is in this place. The nations are going to come. How? How, how, how is that going to work? We don't have to worry about that. It's not, that's not our problem. God said it. He must do it. We don't now jazz up our Facebook page, jazz up our website, and start marketing a little bit so that we can know the nations. The nations don't have to try and find us. God will send them to us. So I want you to, I want you to hear what he's saying there because he's not the first person that said that. What's happening here? What's going down at Bay City Church? God is doing something. You know what he's doing? He's also arising in each of our hearts that we're all a part of this. So we've, we've had this flavor in our worship that started happening in the last kind of months of like the nations. And I believe while we were away, Andy did this incredible thing where all the different nations sang their languages and stuff. What did it cause? I think there was joy in the house. There was a real sense of God's freedom. And there's something that we're starting to taste of that goodness of the expression of each of our nations and languages. But he, he did say, you must learn French. Who, who is African French speaking here? Come on, put up your hands. There's a whole lot of you. They all sit, sound guys and stuff. There's, just a, there's a drip of you that are here. That's right. And I, I, don't think, I don't think it's French who are, who are playing Wales or have just lost to Wales now. I don't know. That's probably done. Don't tell me the score. Don't tell the score we're going to speak it on. We don't know. No. I believe it's French Africa that God's going to open up to come here. So I don't know. You guys are going to have to start giving us some lessons. And, and I can go beyond Jetem. You know? I mean, only know Jetem because there's a deodorant 20 years ago called Jetem, and it means I love you. I love you. But, but what, what is happening here? You know, and part of what God has been doing in our heart as an eldership and as a leadership, honestly, if in the background, we've been tarrying and journeying with stuff for the last two years. Okay, God, you're saying these things. I, I, I also, Africa's the last guy on the planet that's going to say things to make us feel impressed about him. He's only going to say it when God tells him. And all the friends and prophetic people that we've got through here, what do they all say? The nations are going to come. You guys are going to build a building. You're going to have all these things, facilities, worship schools. You're going to have all these things happening around you. They're going to serve this community and the city and the nations. And you're like, oh God, I, I, can, I can picture it. I can see it. But how are you going to do it? Really? Us? Elijah was a man just like you and I. And what did he do? Great exploits. Did he have weaknesses? Did he suffer and fall into some dark depression there because Jezebel was after him? And he went and sat under the tree and said, God, take me now. I'm done. I'm finished. And the sparrows came and fed him with food and the brook dried up and he was having a whole moan session there. He was weak in his flesh. But when he understood the purpose of God, what he called him to, he arose and he stood firm. And what did he see? He picked up his cloak and he ran at the speed of horses. And that word's been spoken over us too. We are going to run with horses. And why I'm doing this, like, it's not a preach today, it's just talking with you guys. Of like, it's not going to be a few, it's going to be us that are going to hold what God's doing. You see, what we did this morning here is that I know in many contexts as people just settle for, 
Well, there's a bit of a vibe in the air. People aren't really interested in worshiping today because the rugby's in their mind. Oh, it was a bit tough thing and stuff. It's, it's, it's not natural. It's spiritual. Worship in spirit and in truth. And what you did this morning, you said, no. No, I can feel that too. I'm not living for that. I'm going to press through that. Thanks for provoking me, John, because I was feeling all the stuff too. Like, no, I'm not going to settle for this. Honestly, I can say I've been in the bay for 26 years. There's probably... Over these years that we've run it, on my hand, the times I can count where we feel we didn't encounter the presence of the living God. Because every single time we gather, the purpose of us gathering is to encounter Him. And He will bless us and He pours out to us. And what starts happening? Week after week after week, you just press in. You tarry. You press in more. You press in more. What happens? Heaven responds. And so what are the prophets saying to us? You know, so what's happened... Within the life of the bay over the last years has been a lot of reordering and restructuring and God getting the house in order. But part of what God has been saying to us, and two years ago, God said to me, I'm setting you apart. I'm setting you apart. I'm like, okay. Now, the setting apart thing can sound quite arrogant, that we are better than other people. And he spoke to us out of Isaiah 42, and he said, I share my glory with no other. And that Isaiah 42 is a beautiful passage about the Messiah coming, and it speaks about worship and responding to this king, this Messiah that's going to rise on this earth and stuff. But he doesn't share his glory with another. You know why? Because he's a jealous God that will only pour out to those he sees will respond, and he doesn't just throw his glory away because it's cheap. A price was paid for this stuff, folks. That you are now... Uh, you and I are partners with or, or co-laborers with the Almighty according to the price that He's paid for us. The glory is not a cheap thing. If the glory arrives and you're on Twitter or Instagram saying, whoa, what an amazing meeting. The glory's here. The glory's not here if you're on Instagram. Mm, yeah. If the glory's here, you face on, flatten your face. Yes. There's no room for other peripheral stuff when the glory of God falls into place. And he doesn't give his glory to another. He doesn't pour it out. But you see, the joy is, is that he's saying that to us. There are other places all across the city where God is doing a similar work. And he's causing those pockets of people to arise with the truth of what he's got for us. Now even, and I've got to give context so you guys understand this, of, of the, the realities of our connections and all that we've got around the nations of the world and stuff. And as you know, we've always been a part of a group of people called New Frontiers. And a group called, that came out of that called Regions Beyond. And I need to give you this understanding because we've tarried with this in the background for the last year and a half as a church community. Now, for some of you, you might even go, well, who's Regions Beyond? I don't even know. I've never heard of New, uh, New Frontiers. The understanding, you see, is that churches were not islands that are doing their own little thing and just kind of carry on. You find friends and family around the, nation, the nations of the world that you stand together with. And when God started speaking to us about, I'm setting you apart, share my glory, it sounds arrogant, but he's doing something unique with us as a people. And part of me going to the UK this year was that it's come to the point where actually God has unraveled this whole thing, that we're not, you know, it's, it's easy to say we're not part of it anymore, but God has actually caused us to stand in a place where he wants to raise us up to be a community that are going to stand for what he's called us to be. And what he's going to do with us, he doesn't want others to share of because he wants to do it with us. 
So in theory, you see, we're still friends with everybody. We're not part of the regions beyond kind of group of churches anymore. And that's done through communications of people. There's no relational breakdown. There's no mess up. We've trusted where God has led us to. And it's honestly, this year has been a very scary and vulnerable year for me because as a leadership and stuff, you don't ever want to be and leading a church standing on your own. And you're the last guy that makes all the shouts and the things and you do your own thing. And then four or five years down the line, you're slightly bent off from where the actual truth is. We've got many friends. We've got accountability through an eldership team and a leadership team that stand together here. But in a sense, what's happening, God is setting us apart. And now in this time of us being independent and kind of roaming and, 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 and trusting what God is doing with us, I've had a few people already come to me. Hey, buddy, come be with us. Come be with us. Come. come us. I'm like, it's not going to work by you just us joining another group. God's doing something unique with us. That's what I'm sharing very openly with you this morning. What happens in the background of church politics. If you want to have a little insight, go and sit with my dad for an afternoon and just tell him to tell you church stories. You'd be horrified of the things that go down, the things people say, and the things people do. Because there's own agenda stuck in there. We are walking according to the purposes of God for us. We've got a loner here. Has he found his, he found his home? He's got it. Okay, so God, God is doing something unique with us as the band. And it's been hard for us as an eldership to try and understand, God, what are you doing here? Because honestly, for me as a kid, we've been part of this New Frontiers movement since 1987. It's like a breakup in a family. It's like, it's been a hard understanding, but God is doing something with us and leading us to this place where he's saying, I'm causing you to arise. Because if we are partnered to someone else's vision, we have to serve their vision. God's been speaking to us about what He wants, the mandate and the assignment of the bay. And the only way it's going to arise if we arise as a people together, understanding what God is speaking to us. Now, how are they, how's that going to work? I don't know. But I know the Almighty King says that if we choose our path, He will order our steps. And each day, we keep pressing on, we keep trusting Him, we keep believing Him. He will make our path straight. He will lead us and guide us. I used Google a lot while we traveled all over the country. We did nearly 5,000 kilometers now on this trip. It felt for me of like putting a footprint across this whole nation and, just, and being riding Louis Trichot on the other side of it. But there's that thin blue line in Google Maps that orders your direction. You can disobey it if you want to, but it's just going to take you longer. You're going to be off the main path. You're going to have to come back to the center where God's spoken to you and what He's needing to do. And in the worship, what God said to me, all He's looking for, all He's looking for is a people that are obedient to what He says. You know, that's been the hardest thing in this phase of walking through something new like this and a separation from what was obvious and we were a part of for 30 years and thinking, God, what are you doing? What are you saying? You know what? The hardest temptation to submit to is man's requirements of you. Because there's an expectation from people of what you need to be. And you're saying, no, but God's saying this. People don't understand what God's saying to you because He's saying it to you, not to them. And when you want to walk in the things of God, you've got to trust Him. And this is where the risk comes in. Because it doesn't make sense to people around you. Yes, you've got, that's why I've had good advisors over these last 18 months. An eldership team, we talk, a leadership team, we talk about this stuff together. It's not just 
whimsical little decisions like, oh, it's like tearing, walking, God showing us, leading us. But you know, the temptation is to fall into what man requires of you, and what you do then is you compromise. Just play to man. And if there's fear of man in your heart, you'll play to what man requires. You will never fully submit and never fully accomplish what God has called you to be when you live under somebody else's banner. You have to stand firm on who you call to be. Now, that, that stands for every single one of us here in the Bay. You see, your ministry or calling that God's got upon your heart and your life is not bound by the, the structures necessarily of, of, a, of a church that will say yes or no to you. It comes from a heart that submits to this place. And this, and this is essential, the way it goes around. When, you, when your heart is invested here, and I felt God saying that too, there's a season of aligning our hearts, you see, because when, it's, when your heart is fringe, when your heart's on the fringe, the benefits are fringe. When your heart is fully invested, and you're invested into what God is doing here, you will reap the rewards together with all of us that run together. And I felt to say that to us, because I don't, I don't know what's coming, but I'll tell you, something good is coming for us as a community. I don't say when, I can't say how, but if our hearts are not fully invested in what God's doing, you won't fully reap the rewards of what God is doing in that place. And my heart is that not this platform, the eldership that carry and hold the life of this church are the platform for you to create and run with all that you desire to do in God. Because when you're doing it through submission, you are hearing and listening good advice from those around you who will lead and guide you with grace. If there's control, they will tell you yes or no. No, you are not allowed to do that. There's, there's measures to stuff. There will be guidance in saying, we don't think that's wise. That's not no. That's saying, we, we, we're giving you wisdom that we maybe don't see that working out for you. But I believe each one of us carry a realm of what God wants to do in and through our hearts. And the things that will flourish out of this place, the, the, the dreams, the desires of our hearts to see God working in and through us, will birth from this well that's been dug here for many, many years. Because it's not limited to just a few elite people that can do the great and mighty stuff. It's all of us that God's got to call on. All of you. So if you ask, the bay has an assignment from heaven. The bay has a mandate from heaven to run into. What is, what is your assignment over your life? And I really am going to speak into this these next few months because we've got to approach next year with some kind of strategy. We can't walk into aimlessly going, okay, it's January the 3rd. Okay, what do you, well, God, what do you want me to do this year? I want us to start preparing our hearts for next year already. And saying, God, what, is, what are the assignments you want to give me? You know, I look at our pastors gathering in Musenberg, and we get very practical, and they get very practical about the things they want to do and see happen in the area. But it's not going to be good ideas. We can do this, we can do that. It's, it's the God-given ideas that speak through prophetic words. I want you to commit to praying for the superintendent of the police station. Wow. Okay. No. There's the test. Are you going to be obedient to what he tells you, or have you got a better plan? See, what is your assignments over your life that God's calling you to do? It might be praying and calling out for a family member to respond and come home to the things of the king. It might be breakthrough in your business. It might be things in the assignment God gives you through different tasks, different passions and gifts that he's given you, there's, there's things he's going to place in your heart that he's going to ask of you to do. It might just be befriending that one person at the office to say, and just slowly walking and speaking truth over their heart. It might be tarrying and believing for a husband to come to the truth of the king. It might be you stepping out and doing stuff for the first time that you th didn't think you can do it. 
every single one of us has got assignments and mandates from heaven. There's the overarching thing that He's called you to be. Then there, there's little things that come across your path to kind of do. My assignment, I remember years ago, was given to go and speak to my neighbor about the things of Jesus. She was dying. And I took time to go and see her. And she got saved. And she could hardly speak, but she got saved. And I knew that when she died, she was eternally secure. It's those little assignments. It takes time. It takes energy. Do you want to respond to them? You want to be obedient to them? That's what God's saying to us. Because when we, on the 20th of, 20th of April this year, sorry, Tom, 20th, I got carried away there. On the 20th of April this year, when we went and stood on the outskirts of the city, and we hit those 10 pegs in the ground, and we declared over the city, the heavens rumbled. They rumbled over that day. Because a people chose to be obedient to what God was saying to them. And, and slowly but surely, we will see the outworkings of a canna being lifted over the city, that the spiritual atmosphere increases, that more and more people start hungering the truth of the king, more and more people start living from this desire of to serve God first and not their own agendas, and that will cause the church to arise with power, not big crusades and events and stuff, the local church being powerful in seeing people come in and saved and added and arising here in the city with truth and saying, no longer, enough's enough. No, we stand for this. No, no, I'm in this position, and we arise with this truth of God's people. That's how, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take time, but it's, it's, there's, there's a shift that's taking place. God gave us that mandate to do, and we did it in obedience. Do we see the effects of it yet? Well, then no, but we just do it obediently. First fruits is a thing of obedience. It's not for effect or to see the, oh, we prayed and then this happened. It's faithfulness. St. Jesus, you need to move over the city. You need to move over this nation. And we ask of you, we cry, we position ourselves to you, and that's how he responds to these things. So there's a lot I wanted to just catch up with you and update you guys on where we're at with stuff. God's doing something with the bay. Africa wouldn't say those words, and those words wouldn't confirm what every other prophetic person's been saying to us over the last two years. And I'm asking, are you in? Are you in with us? We're going to stand together. And honestly, in my heart, I was like, I know you're in. <laughs> I know you're in. And you know what? We've been tarrying for a long time. It's hard as a leader when you speak big things, you don't see anything happening. Because there's like big talk here, but nothing ever happens. I'm very wary of that. But I didn't say it. The prophet said it. And he keeps reminding us, keeps saying these things over us as a people. And, he wants, and he's asking us to respond. God's going to raise us up. God's going to do great things with us for the city. Let's stand together. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we want to thank you for what you're doing in our midst. We want to thank you, Lord, that we've learned what it is to press into the things of the Almighty. We want to thank you, Lord, that you've placed so many things on our hearts through the journey that we've been on as a church, Lord, to understand the place that you've got us. Father, we want to thank you that your promises to us are yes and amen. We want to thank you for all the truth that you've spoken over Bay City Church of what you are going to do through this people. We thank you, Lord, it's not going to be by you waving some wand and things are going to happen. It's going to be through a people that will walk in faith, that will take steps of faith in believing what you have said. We'll step out taking risks, believing you for great things. Father, I speak over every heart here this morning that there'd be an arising of faith in us to know that you've called us for such a time as this. You've called us to arise as a people over this community and over the city and over the good things that we're seeing already happen. 
We pray that as our hearts are invested as one, Lord, we don't have to try and make it happen. You will do it in and through us in these days. And we will marvel. We will marvel at the good that God will pour out to us as a people. So, Lord, we submit to you. We want to be obedient to your ways. We want to trust you with everything that we have and say, Father, keep doing a good work among us. Help us to continue to be faithful and obedient to all that you've called us to do. And we bless you today. We bless you today. We honor you, King Jesus, for all that we're doing and you're doing through, in and through us. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great week and uh, go the book.